Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Atheist Experience. Or am I not supposed to talk yet? Because well, we can't hear the music. We have no idea where we're at. Things are... Um, well, I'm we... Jeff D. That's Martin Wagner. You uh, can tell by the names underneath yes. our smiling faces. This technology is a wonderful thing. We also... Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Oh, well, so, let's just... Well, I don't think we can take calls because we're not going to hear the callers. Well, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing well. It's good to you, see It has you. been yes, a long time since we... Been a, been uh, a good time. Okay, so we are definitely on. We have got the word that we're on. Hi, everybody. Hello. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, ages since Martin and I uh, shared the table up here in front of the camera, which is awesome. Last time would have been when I was co-hosting with you. Yeah, and so, and that's at least... 2003, three, four, something like that. So yeah, we've both been co-hosting for a long time. Anyway, uh, yes. Matt's uh, out this week, and uh, I couldn't do it next week, so we swapped, and uh, and here we are. Serendipity. We're uh, and we're going to try to go straight to calls. See how that goes. We're going to try anyway. Um, um, we're, we we're don't we don't have any. Yeah. So we won't do that. Well, we have them, but they're not identified to us yet. Right. Yeah. And uh, we're we're not going to take that risk. Aha! Um, uh -huh. We have Kevin in Japan. No. Kevin. Hi there. Hi, Kevin. What can we do for you? Okay, I'm referring back to a, uh, basically on a call that a guy named Miles made from New York back on March 3rd. Uh huh. He's, he's an atheist and gave you guys some advice about uh, kind of a harsher attitude you might be having, and it reflects back on all atheists. And Matt being a How's big that? guy on. Matt yeah. being a big guy on having the data, I went back and he said, get your own show if you want to do this. I'm like, okay, I go back and take a look. First uh -huh. of all, I went back to your 2007 shows, a group of them, and then just got the feel for them. Uh -huh. We'll that to the shows you have nowadays. Back in 07, you guys had a much milder attitude. You were much more engaging with your audience, much more sympathetic to their points. We're, we're, we're sorry that you're dissatisfied. Okay, um, you were right. All you have to do is press the drop button. It's, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, thank you very much for your call. Yes. You know, uh, we're going to do our show the way we feel like, and if you don't like it, there are a lot of other places you can go. Yes. You know, it, it is also a caller-driven show, and sometimes you get callers that are frustrating, and we're human. Sometimes and different have. hosts have different styles. Yes, um, uh, um, and you're going to get what you get. So that's uh, that's life. We're not perfect. We know this, but um, yeah, the show uh, is what it is. We we do the show that we actually do. Yeah. Let's try. Um, we don't have a name on line three, but let's just go and see who it is. Hello, caller. Hi, line three. What's who am I talking to? Who me? Are you an ex theist? Friend? Hi. Did you used to be Brent? a theist? Are you Brett? Brett. Brett. Yes, I'm Brent, calling from Costa Mesa. Hi. Hi, good to talk to you. What's up? I am really glad I got through to you guys. Um, we I are, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a great way to put it. Um, you know, I've been calling it as, as a theist for quite some time, and you've always done really well in uh, counter, uh, countering my arguments. Um, I, uh, very briefly, I called about... Uh, uh, I don't know, five or six times before, and I'd like to present to you guys uh, a, a debate that I had with, a, uh, with an atheist uh, about two weeks ago, and it basically was the, the, the straw that broke my back on, uh, on, a, uh, on theism, on believing in God. Okay. Hmm. 
And I love it because it's not. I I feel like it's you can you can lower down yourself, for lack of a better word, to the theist level and just humor their beliefs for a second and give them pure facts. So um, the, the the debate, and, and and I've never tried to pre uh, to, to rehearse this. So I appreciate your flexibility on me trying to free wing it here. But I have done the research, and the bottom line is, if God does does exist, if God does exist it certainly wouldn't be a good idea to pray to him because statistically speaking, all you will get is less happy, less healthy, and less wealthy. Now, that's, now I'd like to talk about facts to support that opinion, and okay. I'm also willing to demonstrate uh, sources. Okay. Um, first of all, the poorest, if you just Google it, uh, the poorest state in America is uh, Mississippi. It also has the highest religious rate. So there's clearly a, 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 a direct correlation to how religious people are and how poor they are. So statistically speaking, uh, if you are religious, again, statistically speaking, you're more likely to be poor. Now, not only is uh, Mississippi the, the poorest and the most religious state in America, but, but there's a direct correlation to all of the states in America with their, with their poverty levels and their higher religious rates. Right. Well, what's, what's probably actually going on there is not that, of course, praying makes you poor. It's that yeah. the poor people are um, are more desperate and uh, make better fodder for religious conversion. Absolutely. Then there's and another suppose... there's another factor to consider as well too, because I think that you know I, all you have to do is look at the Sistine Chapel to kind of say, well, okay, it's not necessarily followed that if you're religious, you're going to be poor. Um, you know, there's a lot of wealth, there's a lot of money in religion, it's huge. Um, the thing is, though, that uh, particularly in America, and I don't want to talk about other countries and other cultures where I'm, I'm less informed, but what you tend to have in these southern, more religious states is uh, another factor that is probably related, which is, that it, which is a lower degree of higher education. And, uh, you know, and less education means fewer um, career and financial opportunities down the road in life. And I, so, I, yeah. You should never do the whole you know, correlation equals causation thing because that's that's fallacious. But you can look at sort of a big picture, and as Jeff said, when you have less education, meaning less economic opportunities, equals more desperation. Uh, some you know more uh, um, people in a more fraught emotional state, looking for guidance, looking for protection and comfort. Mm-hmm. Then religion can move in and, and provide that. Um, now, the, if I may intrude real quickly, the problem with that is, is that I found out recently, is that when people answer every question with God, they're closing themselves off to the real answers that, that are out there. And that actually, there's been multiple studies that have been done that show a direct correlation to um, IQ scores and religion. Um, people, and then there's many, many studies that, uh, that range from anywhere from 7 to 16 points average lower IQ, uh, for people that follow the, the Christian religion, and I'm not going to use that too much of an example. And my opinion is, this isn't a fact, this is an opinion, is that's because they don't care about the reality of the world. They, they just they, they, they take the answer and accept it of God and don't look into the truth. And, and the IQ test doesn't test how much you know, it tests how much you're willing to learn. Against ideas that don't necessarily agree with yours. Again, I would be careful about the the the, the uh, co- correlating um, those facts. You know, where where the causation is is coming from. It's I don't think that um, though I'm not aware of any studies. I could be wrong, but I don't think mm-hmm. that it's religion that makes you dumb. 
that, that mm. religion that makes you have a low IQ. I think once again, it's people with low IQ are easier to convert. I, I think it's simple. As or or more likely to that, stick with it. I think it's as simple as this. People that are closed-minded are obviously not going to be open to changing their mind. And, and when somebody's wrong and they're not willing to chose their, change their mind about something, mm. like science is self-correcting, religion is not. Mm. And that's the correlation I'm willing to, to, to try to draw the line here. Let me, let me backtrack and, and a bit. Some, you some, are, some of that resistance, though, Brett, is also, again, going to be uh, in terms of what religion presents to its believers that makes them closed to other ideas, uh, conflicting ideas. For example... Um, if you were to, you know, you're trying to tell someone, uh, explain evolution to a person, right? You gotta give them, if somebody says, why do you agree with evolution? Why do you think that's factual? You gotta give them books, like, you know, here's all this biology, here's all this paleontology and taxonomy, and, and you gotta send them to these websites and all these academic sources. Ask a Christian the benefit they get out of Christianity, and you get these sound bites, right? And it's all about, you know, God loves me, and and um, and He died for me, and and, and it's, it's there's this degree of emotional fulfillment and satisfaction that they've been, you know, inoculated with that is it makes you very resistant to just purely intellectual attempts to to defeat it, right? Because you're getting to some, you, you can't argue rationally against something that's filling an emotional need very well. That's difficult. Mm-hmm. So, so again, there, there are many factors to consider, and I don't think it's just, well, you know, if you believe in God, you're more likely to be stupid. No, I think it's not really. Well, it's, it's more like... And I'm not it's, claiming it's more, that. Yeah, it's more like you don't so you know, so you, have the to, tools of critical thinking installed as well. And, right? Yeah, and are, Really, you, you, uh, the, you found data that shows a correlation between low IQs and religi- religiosity? It's not just uh, poor education, uh, but low levels of education in religion? IQ? I think we lost him. All right. Oh. Hello? Oh, uh, you still there? You still with us, Brett? Yeah, sorry. I think I got somehow disconnected temporarily. Okay. Anyway, um, I was asking. I is it, it's, it's so that you're, you're saying that there's uh, data which shows a correlation between low, I, uh, between low IQ and religiosity as opposed to uh, 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 lower education and religiosity? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I know I've heard course, the, yeah, the other could, thing. Yeah. If you just okay. uh, do a simple Google search, they started doing uh, studies in the 1920s hmm. uh, of IQ uh, scores for people that are consider them themselves, quote, heavily religious and, unquote. And then, uh, did, they, and then did they take those same people and test them again after they'd become atheists to see if they got smarter? <laughs> Actually, that's a really good point, and no, they don't. So okay. I'd love to, I love that you have that open-mindedness about the results of those studies. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's just right. to avoid wanted... simplistic explanations for complex matters, really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a... and, and that's why I love this show. Um, again, I would also like to add that, that the, uh, the richest two people in America, uh, Bill Gates and Warren Buffett, are both agnostic slash atheists. It's a, you know, depending on, you know, they, they have it's a lot on of... on the definition, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they have... But, but the richest two people, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, happen to be uh, atheists or agnostic. Yeah, what are, the, way, what are the poorest two people? Huh? Uh, yeah. yeah. What absolutely. are the poorest and two people? Do you know? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm not as even sure who the people note, are. Yeah. 
As a, as a side note, they're also the most two um, con, um, contribution, what's the word for it? Uh, con, yeah, they do they, the most they contribute uh, charitable more to charities. Yeah. yeah, charitable, thank you. They're also the most charitable two people in America. Uh, now, meanwhile, with that same statistic in mind, uh, the, it, 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 I don't know anyone who would deny this, um, but 99.1% or let's just call it roughly 99% in prison are considered religious or heavily religious. Is, is that 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 old uh, study of uh, of uh, prison populations? Yeah, there, there's been that study going on for a long time, and um, well, I, I know this not there, only because there of is the there's a fair concern to be raised about that study, which is that uh, there's a lot of benefits to be gained in prison by claiming that you're religious. Yeah, no, there are there are specific programs for like you do religious service. Right. That's right. That you get time served. So it that. may be that that a large percentage of the of the the people listed as Christians in that study might in fact be closeted hmm. atheists. Uh, yeah, and, and first of all, I'm not um, I'm not so, referring to just Christians. I wouldn't be surprised um, if it was if it was ultimately there was some truth to it, but uh, I think we need a better study than that one. Absolutely. Well, uh, we could say this that. Um, that more than the average number of atheists are, are actually in, in, in prison. Um, I know this not only fewer. of the studies I've read, but I've also uh, actually been, when I was, in, when I was a theist, I, I spent quite a bit of time in uh, jail. I'm not going to say I've ever been in prison. And I can guarantee you uh, from personal experience as well as studies that the majority of them are religious. And by the way, I'm not talking about Christians. There's a lot of Buddhists. There's a lot of, right. well, not so much Buddhists, but... But you know, Catholics. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not saying one Southern religion is in, is in jail. Yeah, multiple okay. beliefs. Okay. Well, All we right. Appreciate it, Brett. We really do. Thanks well, for calling, and, and welcome, welcome aboard the big atheist bandwagon. <laughs> Could I uh, actually just make my last point? Uh, my sure. three points were less happy, less healthy, and less wealthy is the result of religion. Um, I wouldn't Can't say be. that people in jail are happy. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that people in jail are wealthy. That's, uh, but, or I also should say that Bill Gates and, uh, and Warren Buffett are both very wealthy. <laughs> um, the last point I want to make is less healthy. And if you look at a direct correlation between uh, the health of entire countries, um, the most malarian-stricken, unhealthy countries in the world uh, and denounce themselves as ninety, you know, ninety-five to ninety-nine percent religious. Malaria, uh, for example, is very popular for God's followers. Now I'm talking about Christianity for a second. Um, God loves you know, Jesus. people that happen to follow Christianity have uh, statistically uh, most uh, uh, most of them do not follow uh, like atheism as a belief. They they do have a religious following. And so my question to the, my final question before I let you go on to the next caller is, is, is why does God, uh, why, if there was a God, let's level with that, if there was a God, why does his followers, why are his followers mostly in jail? Uh, well, I'm sorry, I, I said that wrong. Okay, why I'll give you the Christian followers? answer to this one really quickly. He's attempting to get you, he's teaching you lessons. He's attempting to get you to understand what's wrong with your yeah. life and make the choices that you need to. Christians always and have an answer for that sort of thing. So it's always. And that's, that's the argument that I like, used to hear. And the, I have the my corollary to, to that. that, of course, would be that God recognizes that people who don't believe in him are already, already educated enough. <laughs> when I was a theist, I answered that question by saying, God is testing you. Mm -hmm. God is, you know, he wants you to, to you know, for example, 
example, malaria. Uh, he wants you to die so he, you can go to heaven and, and be joyous for the rest of eternity. Now, that was my answer as of several, a couple weeks ago. But now I realize, well, why doesn't God just hit, get me hit by a bus or make a tree fall on me? Why should I suffer for five years of fever and, and, and backaches and muscle aches and constant diarrhea? And, and um, why does he make me suffer as a Christian, in this specific example, for several years before dying and going to heaven? And Christians will and, always point to like the story of Job and things like that. And, so and ask yourself, that. who would concoct a religion that mm-hmm. uh, that tries to um, make people um, uh, tries to acclimate people to being poorer and more um, uh, and uh, and less happy and less wealthy? Uh, I, I guess I duplicated that. You know what I mean? Uh, the the the, uh, the less happy, less healthy. What was the third thing you said? Less wealthy. Well, yeah. happy, healthy, and wealthy. Why, who what? Happy, healthy, who would wealthy. put together a religion where the 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 whole point of it is to convince people that those are that's a good state of affairs? Yeah. Seems right. to me be the people that that wanted to uh, hoard all the happiness, health, and wealth for themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why I'm Benny Hinn all right. around on a Gulf Stream. Jet. All right. So yeah. I appreciate your guys' time. Um, I hope uh, Thanks, you know Brent. you guys do some independent research. Don't believe what I say. Um, feel free to Google anything that I said and kind of find out for yourself. But yeah. before I let you go, I used to be a theist. And and just within the last couple of weeks after being presented this information from somebody that was very close to me and doing the research for myself, uh, I, I changed uh, my opinion. And I'm, I, I still wouldn't call me atheist as much as an agnostic. I don't completely know. But before I let you go, my last question is, and this is an important one, uh, as a theist, I'm going to ask this question. Okay. In your opinion, in both of your opinions, what do you think is the best argument for theism? And I know that might be a hard question to answer. Oh, uh, uh, do you want to take this first? The one that I hear from apologists and defenders of religion is that um, religion, and so I guess you can put the theism umbrella over that as well, is this thing that, you know, brings people happiness and pleasure and comfort in their lives, and we all live in this veil of tears of misery and... uh, but as you just pointed out, the, the practical uh, reality for a lot of people isn't that. And so uh, what you end up with is this kind of, um, you know, the, the, it keeps you, in, it's like playing the lottery, right? It keeps you in this endless state of hope. You know, you end up in maybe like the gambler's fallacy where you just like, you, you know, uh, you know when, when Christians go to their pastors and says, oh, everything's just going wrong, miserable. It's like, well, you're, you aren't, you don't have enough faith. You aren't praying hard enough, so pray even harder than you're doing now. You know, so the answer to uh, crises of faith is always more faith. So um, the, uh, the, the religion makes you happier, which is kind of what we've been discussing and, uh, and refuting for this whole conversation, is what... In my opinion, theists that I've talked to think is the best argument for theism, but I don't see it really. Yeah, I've I've been amazed over the years. I've asked a lot of different Christians for their uh, to that for them to tell me what is the single best argument for Christianity that you've got, and when they they share it with me, and then I show them why it's nonsense. Um, it never seems to phase them, which is amazing. Uh, I'm going to kind of not directly answer your question. I was asked once 
If I wanted to convert people to Christianity, what strategy would I use? Not what argument would I use? And I think the strategy Christianity uses is pretty well engineered. You set up an impossible standard of behavior called Jesus, and then you tell people to be ashamed of the fact that they don't live up to that. And that's how you got them hooked. Then they feel like they're missing something, like they're not good enough, and they need special dispensation from your religious organization in order to qualify as human beings. If I may intrude, I mean, that's sales 101. Create a problem and provide a solution. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's right. And All right. We're going to let you go, Brett. Yeah, we really got to move on, but we appreciate the combo. I appreciate your time. I look forward to watching you guys in the future. Have a great day. All Take right. Care. You too. Bye-bye. We have uh, Sarah in Cranbrook, British Columbia. Sarah, you there? Hi, can you hear me? We, we can. can. Yes, loud and clear. Hi, awesome. Um, I'm so glad to be on. Um, unfortunately, I can't watch the Ustream because it hates me, but um, I can hear you guys okay. It hates us all with a deep seated. <laughs> Um, anyways, my, my question that I had, um, I haven't seen it come up quite yet. Um, I've been watching your show for quite a while, um, pretty much every episode I could find, and I've been wondering what is your perspective on the difference between both theism and atheism um, in, like, as compared to Canada and the U.S.? And, and the reason that I ask is because, although I'm sure some people will get angry for me saying this, we are very culturally similar in many ways. Um, you know, like we have the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and you have the Constitution. And yet, I don't see the level of religious zealotry up here, um, even in clusters where you would assume it would happen. And yet down there, I mean, like my friends and I cross the border and we go to a restaurant in Montana's, and it's like, praise Jesus Oh, God, like it's all over the walls, and you're like, oh, my God, can I just have my steak? Mm-hmm. And, I mean, and, and the area that I'm in personally, I, like, it, it's a town of, like, 24,000 people, but we have, like, 14 churches, and we're about an hour and a half away from Bountiful, which is analogous to Colorado City. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you see, you know, all of these people, uh, like fundamentalist Mormons, walking around in, in their outfits, and there's no problem. You know, you, you don't get this level of... It getting pushed down your throat, and um, even with uh, friends of mine that are, you know, devout Catholics and, and Lutherans, I, I, I drove with my friend to his uncle's funeral, and we spent the entire time that way and back, like a six-hour drive, arguing about whether or not God's moral because we were bored. And, and you, just, you just don't get any anger. And so I wondered, why do you think it is that despite us being so similar and so close, that there's this ginormous difference between the two? Hmm. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, <laughs> you're expecting better. There, right? what we had a thing happen here in the United States politically, where the Republican Party allied itself with the right, uh, extreme right wing, uh, fundamentalist Christianity, as uh, you know, it's an entirely cynical move to get a lot of um, of uh, uh, political support. And mm-hmm. that seems to have been the start of the intrusion of religion in, into um, all aspects of our society. Um, and at least recently, and we've uh, the United States has changed over time. I mean, there have been periods of, yeah, of, of more religiosity and less religiosity. I'm just talking about the latest yeah. uh, upswing. Yeah, I, well, I think it, yeah, you know, for that sure. really started with the uh, the Cold War, especially. Um, you know that where. Uh, 
the the supposed inherent atheism of, of the communist regime was, you know, latched onto as, you know, that's why they're bad. And so yeah, for sure. atheism God just communist. got equated with that's how the Soviet Union is, that's how the bad guys are, and we're not like that. And so there was that kind of approach. And I don't think Canada had, you know, that sort of thing in its political history to... Uh, not to really, though. Not, at least level. not that I've seen. And so, so essentially what happened was that Christianity and belief in God became, in America, equated with you know, how much of a patriot you were. And so that's, and, and, Canada, uh, and so that's the difference, I think, perhaps, between how things have since played out in America versus Canada. Um, I mean, it, it, would, it would make sense, because, um, I mean, I even started, like, combing over through our Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms to see if is there some, you know, something in there that helped guide it. And it's so vague that I didn't even think that, like, on a legal standing, I don't think we have anything better or worse. I just couldn't figure out where, well, even the patriotism, Canadians tend to be particularly, I don't know if I want to use the word apathetic or ambiguous or, I don't know, but, you know, it's just weird when we, when yeah. my friends and I will look down there, even religious friends, yeah. and just not understand, like, what, just calm the hell down, have a beer, <laughs> just chill, I don't get it. Yeah, even if you had found, uh, you know, really clear barriers to the intrusion of religion into government, um, that hasn't helped us here. We've got those same things in our Constitution and in, in our, uh, in our, in our uh, amendments and Bill of Rights and all that stuff. Uh, it ought to be enough, mm-hmm. but it's not. Not, not yeah, in the face well, of a concerted it, effort to, um, to uh, impose religion against people's will. Um, well, if, if, like, like that having been said, do you think that there's anything that, well, not to sound like a Canadian high horse over here, but do you think there's anything to be learned from our culture to help, you know, kind of tame the religiosity? Or do you think that you're just going to have to take a completely different standpoint because of you guys have had a different history and, and perspective? Uh, it, you know, based on the, the, the thoughts that Martin and I have just brought up, uh, I think it's too late. You know, we can't go back in time. We can't we can't go back in time and prevent the Cold War from from having happened, and we can't go back in time and prevent the uh, you know, Reagan from um, b- uh, cozying up to the religious right. And uh, so, uh, it's the the cat's already out of the bag. I think we're just going to have to keep uh, pushing culturally to uh, get to uh, put things back to rights. Yeah, I can understand that. Well, thank you so much for answering my question. Um, I'll let you guys get on to other callers. Um, and I'd just like to give a shout-out to all the atheists in America. Just so you know, it's not always like that. Um, there are places very close by where you can just talk to people and chill. And any people who are kind of sitting on the fence religiously, um, from my experience, having grown up as a theist for 22 years, life is made more beautiful for its brevity. And just because it won't go on forever doesn't mean that there's not an incredible richness to be gained in every second of life. So please don't let that fear of oblivion hold you back from enjoying things. That's very well said, Sarah. Thank yep. Thanks Thank for you. your call, Sarah. Well, Take care. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank- I'm, uh, I'm, uh, um, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't been to Canada since I was in my early teens on a family vacation and way too young to be able to appreciate uh, the, the difference uh, religiously. But also, as a transhumanist, I have to say, no, I'm not buying the whole life is more beautiful because it's short thing. I think life is an engineering problem. We ought to fix it. Uh, mortality is an engineering problem. We ought Before to fix we go it. on, uh, just after this, we uh, meet for noms at uh, Threadgill's. So we have a lovely studio audience with us, um, so you guys are free to join us, and uh, we do that every time. Let's try line four.
Thor, Akeem in Pennsylvania, Florida. Uh, Pennsacola, Florida. Yeah, Pensacola. How you, how you doing? Well, Great. How are you, Akeem? I'm doing okay. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I'm a first-time caller. Sure. Um, I just have a question about um, dogma and Damer's intellectual code of conduct. Have y'all heard of that? No. no. So do you, do you mind if I read you a paragraph from his book? It's relatively short. Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, well, Damer, he is a professor of philosophy in some college in Virginia, and he wrote this book called Attacking Faulty Reasoning. It's a book that discusses uh, 60 of the most common fallacies. But before he gets into that, he discusses uh, conduct that people should adhere to if they're engaged in conversation. Uh, he says that when one one who wishes to construct the strongest possible arguments for his or her views and to do one's part in resolving conflicts concerning issues that matter, they should make each of the following principles a part of his or her intellectual style. And some of those principles are like the fallibility, the fallibility principle where everybody should understand that they could be wrong, and then the truth-seeking principle where um, you should be trying to seek the truth instead of winning the argument and so on and so forth. Uh, I just wanted to know if that could be considered dogmatic. I would say the difference between dogma and uh, just good advice is dogma is something that is enforced and uh, and you're following it because of the uh, force exerted on you from somebody making you do it. And good advice is just something you can look at and say, why, yes, that makes sense. I'll choose to do that thing. Yeah. And okay, but I can I can just imagine. And uh, since I've never heard of this guy, I absolutely don't feel like I'm being pressured to uh, to do what he suggests because of force. Oh, okay. Yes, I, I I can imagine certain you know Christians saying, "Why should I follow this guy when he's trying to make me to do something?" When you know uh, atheists accuse Christians of doing the same thing. Yeah. Uh, it's just. I just wanted to make sure that there was a difference between the two. Yeah, and 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 if the suggestions that he makes in that passage, uh, you can you can easily check for yourself whether they're right or wrong simply by putting them into practice. Yeah. Um, you know, when he is, uh, you, uh, is it better? Do you conduct your arguments and your discussions in a more effective way by being someone who is willing to accept the likelihood that you could be mistaken, or if you stick to your guns and, and right or wrong uh, are not open to other ideas in that way. I mean, do you come across better arguing if you're like that? Hey, control room, we're not, we're not seeing camera three come up at all when Martin talks. Can we have camera two when Martin's talking? There we oh, go. There, there he is. Okay. Uh, so, so that's, you know, that's how you can, again, distinguish between dogma and good advice because, as Jeff said, dogma is what it is simply because it's a list of rules that's enforced by authority. And you can have that situation even when the rules don't make good sense. You think of them and you go, well, but that, I don't understand why. Yeah, but do it anyway, because I say. That's the difference between dogma and something that's good advice. Good advice is just something that you can think about, you can put it into practice, and you can see that it works Right. On if, you're, your own. if you're obeying somebody's instructions because you've thought about them, and, and now we're not seeing me. Uh, if, we, if you obey somebody's uh, instructions because you've thought about them and they make sense to you, uh, you're not being dogmatic. If you do it because that is the command and you're obeying orders, then you're being dogmatic. Okay? Oh, yeah, uh, just uh, a little bit more. Um, I'm trying to become a teacher, and I'm an atheist, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to appear dogmatic to my students. Uh, I'm trying to teach English lit. 
uh, and I want to use this code to uh, so that way the students can engage in effective conversations. But again, some students could say that I'm being dogmatic by forcing them to, you know, follow these rules. Um, You're going to force them to follow the rules? Well, not force them, but like, but, but we're going to talk about it in class, and whenever we discuss certain things, if I notice a student isn't following one of the principles, I'm going to call them out on it. Uh-huh. Well, yeah, in I, that I'm, case, I'm just, I, you know, I've never been an, a teacher and instructor like that, but I would think that if you were confronted by a student who thought that you were, um, you know, p- being dogmatic to him and simply tra- attempting to force him to adopt ideas that he thinks are wrong just by virtue of your authority as the teacher then you should say, all right, let's talk about it then. You get, let me hear your opinions, and we'll have a one-on-one discussion. And, uh, and you know, be kind of Socratic with him, right? Ask him yeah. questions, go feed him back, and then hopefully just by virtue of your example, he'll see, oh, okay, you know, Akeem isn't trying to do that to me. He, he really wants me to think for myself. And, uh, yeah, so you can never control how people are going to react to what you say, but I think that if you, it's all in how you present yourself, I think you can rely on them interpreting you the way you want to be interpreted. So and, good and, luck with that. And then again, you know, a, a teacher-student relationship is uh, by definition, you know, the teacher has authority over the student and you can't, I don't think you can necessarily avoid all appearances of, um, of uh, imposing your will on the students and I don't think you necessarily have to um, consider that a problem. You do have a job. You have a job to accomplish, and um, you you need to have some authority in order to do that. And the students understand that. The students already understand that you, if they're in your class and you're the instructor, well, obviously you're the guy who has the expertise in whatever the subject is. So they're already going to understand that. But at the same time, I think you know the good classroom environments. You know, you probably remember from your own school experience. Those are the ones where, you know, the instructors and the and the teacher uh, and, and the, the and the students have a lot of back and forth. Those were my most enjoyable classes in school and. And so, uh, you know, good luck with your career in that and everything. So. Uh, thank you for that, and thank you for your time. Y'all do good work, uh, and I'll just keep tuning in. All right. Well, thank you, Akeem. Yes, sir. Yep. Thanks for calling. All right. Oh. Ah. It's the second time I think I've cut them off in the middle of saying oh. goodbye. I'm sorry. I'm a little oh, fast on the trigger. And, uh, Let's go to Richard here in Austin, Texas. Richard, are you there? Yes. How are you doing? Great. Uh, Martin, how are you? Martin and Jeff, it's uh, been enjoyable to see you both of you for about eight years already mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and uh... you know i see you on, on and off not all the time and and i really enjoy the show I, i'm a, i'm a christian and i believe in a creator i'm not religious i'm spiritual and the greatest uh... evidence i guess that i can present to both of you is uh... just look at yourself in the mirror you know that uh, uh, aside from uh... Which one of all us? The, all the all the animals in the, in the earth, you know. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. Which of us both, should look both, in the mirror? Both of you. Yeah. Which of us should look in the mirror? Uh, both of you, you know, you know. Just all of us. Are you, you're saying this is evidence of God? Uh, a creator. Of a creator. Well, which of us is the creator then that we're going to see when we look in the mirror? No, no, I'm no. I'm not the, following you. The, I mean, uh, the product. Okay. Mm, no, not buying it. Yeah. I know what you're. I, I, let me let me kind of preface well, my answer here because I know what you're trying to say, and in a sense, there's a sense in which I think you're right, but it's not going to be in the sense that you intended. It has always been my opinion that what believers call God is simply an idealized projection of self 
upon the world and upon the universe. We live in this big, vast, well, it's not infinite, but it goes on for bajillions of light years. It's this huge, empty universe. It's full of stars and quasars and vacuum, and it's cold and it's lonely. And we don't know if we're the only living things in it or not. And that can be rather, you know, existentially frightening to a lot of people. The idea that we're just existing on this tiny little speck of dust for a short period of time, and then we're gone, and we won't be missed, and, uh, and, and, and that's it. And I think that in order to make themselves feel less alone, less abandoned and adrift in this big vacuum of space, people create gods. It's a, it's a projection of the human image, their own image, onto the universe. And then you have a god who is looking down upon you. He is watching over you, keeping you safe and protected, and you feel loved. And so, yeah, so when you talk about look at yourself in the mirror and you'll see God, I, no, no, I, I agree I that that's what Christians are doing, but I don't no, think it's just not in the way you say you'll see evidence. I, excuse me, I, I don't mean it that way. I mean it like uh, the end product, you know, like there's uh, yeah. so, so many so many animals on this earth and, uh, and? and not a single one can, uh, can fabricate, you know, or, or create, you know, or we're talking to each other through a television. Well, there used to be there used to be Neanderthals, and uh, the evidence is that we wiped most of them out and interbred with the last few. Well, so, you, um, you know, it's uh, it, it's happened know, more than once, dude. It's it's uh, like, uh, it, yeah, it, well, there's different arguments. It's an argument out there, and and you know, it's it's a theory. Yeah, no, it's not even and, that. Uh, I think it's a desire. It's a belief. It's it's the way people want to see things, and it's it's just a way of explaining the universe and in human terms. In regards to the Neanderthals, you know, there's there's different stories about that, and uh, you know, you got yours, and I got mine. And no, dude, no, excuse uh, me. The sto- the story that is relevant concerning Neanderthals is the story that has been put together by paleontologists through careful examination of the actual physical evidence. And any other story mm-hmm. is just made up. Exactly. Now, there's a well, subject to a certain amount of interpretation, but every other story is just made up. Well, it's, we have, we, you know, because we're humans, we, we can uh, disagree with each other in regards to that. We and, can, but really, mm-hmm. the story to pay attention to is the one that comes from the mouths of the people who are actually looking at the facts. Well, you know, the facts, I, it's like, you can say one thing and somebody else, it, no, the facts no, could dude, be different. Dude, how many, how, <laughs> look, these are people, we're talking about people who have actually gone around the world, combed over the actual physical evidence and very carefully <laughs> analyzed it. Anything else you've got to tell some different story about the Neanderthals is bullshit yeah. compared well, to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a, a, yes, I understand. It's nice to think that we can just have, you know, uh, uh, everybody's opinion is equally valid. and we get, But it's not true. It is not true that all opinions are equally valid. There are some people who are good, who are, like, well-versed in certain subjects. And they know more about it than we do. I just, okay? uh, I just I, don't when I that. When I have a plumbing problem in my house, I call a plumber. I don't say, well, I'm not a plumber, but my story about how to fix my sink is just as good as his. That's I just, ridiculous. I just don't believe uh, 
that we evolved from a monkey. You know, why hasn't the That's monkey... That's fine. That's fine. You don't have to. Nobody is forcing you to believe anything you don't want to believe. Exactly. But when it comes to when it comes to questions of, you know, whose uh, version of reality is the one to pay attention to, it's the one that's based on the on a careful analysis of the actual available evidence and mm-hmm. not any of the other ones. Yeah, there's, there, there's different evidence to different no, there situations. Isn't. No, there isn't. Yeah. I believe so. Well, again, yeah. you can you can right. believe as that's many. That's not what it's about, dude. You can believe as many incorrect things can as we you have like. What we're trying to uh, explain camera is, three on Martin, please. is that belief and opinion are not the same thing. See, and this is this sort of conflation of the two ideas. Two? Yeah, we, so got, we got different opinions and different in, uh, in our culture. Yeah, I, yes, there are people who have different stories about how certain events play out. And as Jeff's trying to explain to you, the one mm-hmm. that you, that is actually backed up by the available evidence is the one at the end of the day that you have to say that's factual until better evidence comes along. You can believe what you like, well, but, but beliefs aren't facts. They're, they are unequal things. They're not the same concept. They're not arrived at by the same cognitive tools. There, mm-hmm. are, there, there are non-trivial differences between the two. Well, um, my, sh- know, my shirt is red. You can believe all the live long day, even if you're colorblind, that it is uh, you know, bright pink with orange polka dots. You can believe that all the live long day. But yeah, it's a red I, shirt. I, I believe I believe there were Neanderthals, and you know the different stories about it. There, I can present an, another fact uh, in regards to it, and you know, it differs from you and or you know whoever you, the people that that you. Uh, all we're trying to get, all we're trying to explain was. to you is that you may decide upon whatever explanation of life and the universe you like. But, you know, you, you have that right to, to yes. have that opinion and have that belief. Yes, but I, I but if that. you understand, we're mm-hmm. simply trying to get you to understand that beliefs are not equal to facts. And you could be wrong. And as long as you're willing to understand that your beliefs, however, whatever degree of satisfaction and comfort they make you feel, might not, aren't the same thing as facts. Because well, I've, met, I've met theists like that. My facts you know, could that. differ from yours and, you know. No, your facts, you are entitled to your beliefs. You are entitled to your own beliefs. You are not entitled to your own facts. Yeah. Well, the, facts the facts are, are what are they are. Based on uh, interpretation, you know, in like, dude, no. In regards uh, uh, look, to okay, when, fine, when, but the only when, interpretation uh, that's valid is the one that's done by professionals. How, yes. how far back were, were the Neanderthals? Uh, no, no, no. no. Uh, we're, I think we're done here. Um, look, uh, and I'm going to go a little bit farther than Martin just did. Uh, while it is true that you have a right to your own beliefs. Um, at the point when you start trying to convince other people, like you're doing right now, you're trying to convince mm-hmm. me and Martin that we should take your beliefs seriously, right? Mm-hmm. When you do not have the evidence on your side, well, you may I'm have the right. You have the I'm right to free. I'm talking here. You know, I, I, I am talking you, here. Uh, Goodbye, you. Richard. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to John in Loganville, Florida. John. John, are you are you, John, are you there? John on line four. John and Lo. No, that. Oh, excuse me. John, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. Wrong Sorry guy. about that. I hit the wrong button. Hey, no problem. And it's actually Georgia, but it's cool. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Look what did I Georgia. say? Yeah. Georgia. Yeah. All right. No, that's cool. Uh, I am a religious person, and um, something that I get occasionally is I will have um, an atheist come up to me and. You know, not necessarily just off of the street, obviously, but we'll be in a discussion. He will look at me and he will say, God is not real. Now, at that point, <clears throat> um, I mean, he's claiming God is not real. I mean, he's, he's 
stating it as a fact. He's stating it as this is what it is. Um, and my, my response to that has always been, well, you can't prove that. And he says, I don't have to. The burden of proof falls on you. And while I do understand that if I'm saying God is real, then the burden of proof does fall on me. However, if he is claiming that he is not, um, doesn't the burden of proof fall on the atheist to prove that he is not? And I understand you'll have scientific facts and um, scientific theories and everything that will um, suggest that he is not, but, I mean, you can't disprove. Oh. Um, uh, yeah, I think technically you may be correct. Uh, let me ask you, though, when, when this, these atheists say God does not exist, have, has a clear solid uh, definition of the God being discussed? Is that on the table? Do you know exactly what it is you guys are talking about? Because there are some uh, gods, uh, definitions of God, by which one can say uh, that doesn't exist. I mean, typically, uh, if we're ever having that discussion, um, I am a, a Baptist, so it's always been a Christian God. No, um, I mean, what so. I mean is like, uh, is this one of the three omni-gods, the omnipotent, omniscient, omnibenevolent gods? Yes. Yeah, that doesn't exist. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's can... a thing called the problem of evil, and it's just a completely insurmountable, uh, logical uh uh, refutation of any god defined as having those three characteristics. And not only that, but there the was only, the... You can try to weasel out of it by denying that, uh, that, uh, that there's such a thing as, as uh, bad stuff. Uh, but that's just ridiculous. Yeah. And it's not even, and you don't even really have to reach for the problem of evil to show that that is, uh, that's an impossible God concept. You simply have to look at the fact that the attributes of omniscience and omnipotence contradict one another, and not only that, but omnipotence contradicts itself. And anything that contains an internal contradiction cannot be true and cannot exist. So an omnipotent well, being cannot exist. Now, the, well, these atheists, of course, should then not turn around and say, I don't have to disprove that God, because in fact they can, and they may as well. Uh, right, okay, but, I get that. And yeah. that, that kind of answers my, answers my question, but um, when it comes down to you talking about a being that can... Uh, I mean, rewrite reality to his will if you know he wants to, kind of like a computer, uh, a computer programmer programming code. It doesn't seem like there's any definitive way you can say, well, he he made it that way. I mean, when it comes down to faith, um, I mean, you can't really disprove faith. Well, faith. I mean, I'm oh, sorry. I did put that the wrong way. I mean, um, if you have faith in something, you don't have to have proof for it to <laughs> well, you know, be Well, faith is the excuse people give themselves to believe stuff when they don't have proof or, or even, you know, uh, reasonably compelling evidence. That's what faith is. Faith is a big, fat excuse to go ahead and believe a thing when you have no good reason to do so. Yeah. But getting back to your original question... Um, yeah, if someone wants to present uh, the anti-theist position to you, uh, which is that nothing that could possibly be called a god exists, then yeah, they're making a positive claim and they would have a burden of proof to bear there. But I think in, in most conversations, certainly that I've been engaged in and that I've also heard second and third hand from other... We get a ton of emails from, you know, belie- uh, from you know, atheists who say, I'm in this Facebook argument with a Christian right now, and, here's, and, and then they, thankfully, thank you, cut and paste like... 500 words, you know, 2,000 words of it. And, and sometimes we skim these and we, we look at some of the mistakes that are being made on either side. And, and um, in most of these conversations, all you need to realize is that atheism, in terms of the, uh, what the God question is putting forth, is what's called the null hypothesis 
right? Which is, you know, in, in, in the, the person making the positive claim bears the burden of proof, and if that is not met, then the skeptic or the unbeliever can, you know, freely refrain from belief in the claim without any arguments or explication right. of their own. That, I mean, which is, that which is proposed without uh, proof can be dismissed without proof, is another way of saying right. that. Yeah. And uh, a second ago, were you attempting to offer a refutation of the problem from evil when the, that stuff you were saying about, well, he created everything and controls reality? Was that meant I mean, as a refutation of the problem of, of evil? A refutation of the problem of evil? Yeah. I'm going to be honest, and I'm not really 100% sure it, you know, everything about the, the problem of evil. I've, this is actually the first time I've heard of that argument. Wow, I'm so, not surprised. I, mm-hmm. uh, look it up. Um, it's, it's a, it, it, you'll, you're, you're, uh, either you're going to have to lie to yourself or you're going to have to admit that your God can't have the three omnis or else he doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and there has been for a couple thousand years a, uh, a, uh, um, a kind of argument called theodicy. It's very highly motivated, uh, theodicy is. And it is specifically, it specifically refers to the apologetics arguments that, are uh, constructed to attempt to refute the problem of evil. It, it, it is something that Christian apologists and theologians recognize as a real problem, uh, but I've never heard one deal with it successfully. So, hmm. um, okay. All right, well, thank you very much. Yeah, all right, thanks, um, John. You know, call us back whenever. Let's try to do this right now. Going on to... Um, mm, oh... Uh, yeah, let's just go in order. Blake from Chicago. Oh, hello. Hi, Blake. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Uh, I actually feel like I got the right guys on. Uh, Jeff, you said you're a transhumanist. I am. All right, because um, several times, um, Jeff and I believe it was Tracy, uh, people were calling in asking about um, if the fear of death really affected an atheist. And they seem to say, well, no, and, you know, it makes the Sunday sweeter to know that there's a limited amount. And um, I was just wondering um, if you thought, no, that the actual fear of death, you know, the the fear of uh, life coming to an end, isn't that really the most uh, important motivation for a human being evolutionarily and... Um, wouldn't that really uh, propel people to find, no matter how unlikely it is, some sort of way to continue their life either uh, spiritually or through reincarnation or through some other means? And um, that may may be... Sure. Uh, I think you'll find that the most important motivation for human beings evolutionarily is sex. Because it's well, not about it's too, not about us as individuals evolutionarily, right? It's about uh, the, the passing on the genes. Now, no, uh, on the subject of death, survive. I'm not a transhumanist because I'm afraid of death. I'm a transhumanist because I think death sucks. Because I expect to continue to have things I want to accomplish, and that's that has nothing to do with fear, right? I mean, I feel the same way about death as I feel about running out of charge on my cell phone. It's like, crap! <laughs> yeah, I, I was in the middle of that conversation, do. yeah. Right. Um, you know, it, it's uh, certainly an, any self-aware 
organism is, you know, it's, it's our natural instinct to attempt to avoid death, right? I mean, a dog will run out of a burning house. Uh, you know, so, so I don't think any of us embrace the idea. Um, we recognize that, um, you know, until the magic life extension, uh, you know, treatment comes along, or I should say technologically advanced life extension treatment comes Thank along. You. You're correct. Use magic in it because it's a fun word. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, well, how did Gandalf was just waving his wand and making us all. The point is, the point is, you know, until and, and, and in fact, science has done a lot uh, over the last just the last century in terms of that. You know, we have extension, we've extended life expectancy from, you know, in the 40s to uh, you know the upper 70s. Uh, you know, if you if you are fortunate enough, privileged enough to live in a, a slightly more technologically advanced you know, country and culture. So that's been going on. But eventually, you know, we're all going to kind of wear out and end, right? I mean, even the universe is going to do that. The, the heat death will happen in a few, however many trillions of years. So you accept the ultimate inevitability of the whole thing. And, but you don't, you know, it, it's rather pointless to just sort of dwell on it in this kind of existential despair, right? I mean, it, if you're doing that, then you've probably got some clinical depression issue going on. And it's not even really a matter of, you know, your, your belief or your philosophy at that point. So, yeah, you know, I try to make the best of every day and enjoy every day. And, uh, you know, as people say, time that you enjoy spending doing whatever it is is not going to be time wasted. So, you know, that's my approach to that whole question. No, I agree with that. I'm just saying, do you think a, a serious issue with uh, people converting to atheism, it's not really a conversion, but changing their mind, is they might say... I mean, letting right, go of religion because religion promises heaven and... Uh, I, I do think that the fear of death is used as a uh, tool by religion to manipulate people into converting, yes. Well, no, and I'm just saying it seems like atheists need some sort of way to give a positive message to sort of uh, reassure people as they change, because um, I, I could just see a person saying, in my head, I know Darwin's right, you know, in my head I can think, you know, it doesn't really make any sense. Okay, I'm going to answer this one really quickly in the hopes that maybe we can get one more caller before the end of the show. Get on the internet sure. and Google... Uh, from Richard Dawkins, his uh, "You and I are going to die, and that makes us the lucky ones" speech. It's uh, it's a very brief passage that he has. I find it it's a very inspirational quote. It might not work like a magic bullet on someone who is religiously obsessed with the inevitability of death and the desire to go to heaven and all that, but it gives a good secular, godless perspective on, you know, the reality of death and how to appreciate life in the face of that. I think that's something that an atheist has offered. Go look that up online. Thanks for your call, Blake. All right. Rock up. That's long. I did it again. Oh, I'm well, so sorry for cutting okay. off. Uh, and let's try George here in Austin. George. Howdy. How are you? We are well. It's got to be real quick, um, George. We're in the last couple minutes. Okay. Uh, very briefly, then. I'm neither deist nor theist. The God spot in my it, it, it's, it's thinking is held by the universe as a whole, pantheism. Uh-huh. What say you about that? And I'll just listen to your comments up here, and maybe you can okay. take another call. All right. Thank you, George. Uh, pantheism. Um, uh, I mean, you can call anything a god. The ancient Romans, the Roman Senate called, uh, called uh, Julius Caesar a god. I'm... 
having trouble dropping that call. Go ahead. No, he's still there. Okay. Uh, you can call anything a god. We don't see the point. Anything else to say about that? Yeah. You know, again, I think it, it's probably related to that desire I talked about earlier to put a human face on the universe to make it a little bit less uh, existentially terrifying. Um, but I don't really see the utility in that. I mean, if, 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 you're, if what you're talking about is pantheism is... You know, just calling the universe uh, a god or some sort of a divine uh, spiritual entity that uh, serves that. I, I don't see a purpose in it. I don't see that I would find it useful or, or necessary. I don't need it. Um, and so, yeah. I agree with you, Jeff. We got less, we had one minute. Should we try mm. one last thing? Oh, why don't. What? You want to say something in the last minute? Well, I, again, I just want to say, yeah, you know, let's I want to thank our crew because they had kind of had a tough day. We were missing the, the two crew, of, like pulled together in an extraordinarily awesome way to get yeah. this show to actually happen. So any technical glitches that have happened today, we've got two of our uh, our main people missing, and so they're trying to double up on jobs. So yeah. any technical glitches that happened today, um, we love you, crew. You know, that's just uh, you know reality, but. The open house today, we're getting our studio a little bit more in shape. Uh, right? Yes, I was at the ACA building today. It's very, it's small, but very, very cool. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people have asked, are we going to start doing our own shows out of there? And if so, are we going to go back I to more than I do not know hour? what the precise plans are for that, but we are gearing up to be able to do that. And it would be nice, because we have a lot of people ask us things like, are you going to be back to 90 minutes or longer? Or are you going to be able to take Skype calls, people who can't call us normally? And so... We're aware of all these things, and we hope we can at some point. That would be awesome. Thanks, everybody, for watching. I'm told we got five seconds. So take care. Thanks for watching the show. We'll see you later. Good to do the show again with you, too. Thank you. Yeah. You, too, man. It's been awesome. It has been. I know. What it is. Well, thanks to our audience. Great oh, audience. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so there we go. Presumably there's music playing. If not, everybody knows it. Don't say anything embarrassing. <laughs> Open your eyes. Bye, everybody. Don't take any wooden saviors. <laughs>